Brandon Garms. And I'm Dylan Smith. You're listening to The Sailor Sound, a unique podcast focusing on liveaboard culture and sailing in the Pacific Northwest. You're probably wondering, what the hell did I just hear? I heard a dying elephant being strangled by an Englishman. That's, that's what I heard. Actually, it was a successful life draft demonstration taking place in front of a crowd and on land for some reason. We're going to get to it, but first, we need to start somewhere else. Well, let's start at the beginning. A place where most boaters have probably found themselves before. Where one leg of a journey ends and another one begins. A place where sailors, travelers, people tell stories. Where the mundane becomes the interesting. That place is the guest dock. The guest dock... Yeah, man. When you're rolling off to the guest dock, you're kind of putting on a show in a way. Everybody, especially during the summertime, is is watching you because you're the most interesting thing, the newcomer coming into the dock. My goal is to put on the least interesting show that I can. You know, I don't want to be the guys yelling at each other Forward, forward, reverse, reverse. No, you idiot. You're going to you're going to hit that other boat. Dysfunctional couples. Unhealthy things to tell your your wife. Yes, it's yeah, it's an easy way to get frustrated, but you want to look cool and you just want to come in smooth and quiet cuz most likely most likely it's going to be a quiet harbor. I just want to look like I have my shit together. And the same can go even even after you've tied up, too. No, I still want things kept nice, neat, and tidy. Ultimately, your boat's a reflection of who you are. So I was walking down the dock back to the boat one day, and I saw on the visitor dock this epic-looking halberd grassy with the wind generator, the solar panels, all the different kinds of anchors they had securely secured, securely secured on deck. No fear of being redundant. No fear at all. And I could tell that that boat was an ocean-going boat. It has been some places. You know how I could tell? I, I just told from the from the hailing port on the back, it said it was from the UK. So I assumed that either they, uh, you know, shipped it on an airplane or they sailed it here. The boat's name was Spruce. I wanted to meet these people. I'm like, how the f- fuck did you get here? Okay, so who we are? We're, we're cruising the world slowly, and uh, we've been doing it for about nine years. Uh, Sue's background, she's uh, high school 
art teacher. She spent lots of years doing that before she escaped. And my background was I was a teacher way, way back along, but I mainly worked in systems and software engineering in the uh, defense industry, which is quite useful for fixing a boat when you travel. Andy, the man speaking, is putting on a presentation for the U.S. Auxiliary Coast Guard. His wife, Sue, is in the audience. He's talking about their trip and where they have been so far. So we sailed off to Ireland and then down through Spain and Portugal, and then those islands off the African coast. Um, these are the Canary Islands, these are the Cape Verde Islands, which are part of Africa. And then we went across to Barbados, and we went up through the Caribbean and out to Bermuda, and uh, on that ground into the Great Lakes, the Gulf of St. Lawrence, and back out. And then it was November, and we decided we wanted to get a slightly bigger boat, so we put it on a ship and went back that dotted line in November. We had gales the whole way back across the Atlantic. We went off in this boat two years later in 2011, pretty much a similar route. Um, across the Atlantic, and then we came on through Panama Canal and out across the South Pacific, the French Polynesia, Galapagos, French Polynesia, Tonga, all those places. Went down to New Zealand, bottom of Australia, down to Tasmania, back up into Indonesia and Asia. And then the last trip we've done, which brought us here. Blaine Washington. That's what he means by here. And he got here going through... Japan, like by Russia, like way north, across the Aleutian Islands, down the Canadian coast, down through Vancouver Island, and here. So obviously we ended up meeting these people. We invited them on board, and we had some tea and a chat. Any sort of research in a book or, yeah. or on the internet, it's, it's just, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. But just just like we were saying that um, there are all different shades of cruisers, there's different shades of people who sail sailboats. Like if, you, if you're around this area, you'll find there'll be a whole lot of people. What, what they think of sailing is you get down to the boat at the weekend, you get out, you do the race, you get back in the bar, you drink loads of beer, that's it, you're a sailor. <laughs> it's um, so yes. funny you mentioned that. We're all sitting around the table on Confluence, our boat. Drinking tea, having some hors d'oeuvres, and chatting about life, sailing, philosophy, really whatever. Boats. We're mostly talking about boats. That's all we can really do. But we're just trying to figure out what each other is all about. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what we, we've always said, that you can fly to these places, but doing your journey by boat, it gives you the... Um, well, gives you the opportunity to experience the journey, and I think that's a really important thing. You you see the changes in the climate. You see, you you see the landscape if you if you're peppers. anywhere near the islands. You see right. the trees are different, or the flowers, or the birds, or and the temperatures different, and people speak different languages, and you know you don't just get on a plane and land somewhere and then oh, it's hot here you've actually yeah. gone through all those changes and arrived right but having had the experience of that actual journey you've earned you've earned that journey god like what a beautiful idea she it was just it was just so well said and then 
she actually like asked, D- did, did I say that well? And it's like, yeah, yeah, you said that very, very well. It, it was almost, it was profound. It was a profound thing to hear. She's this very grandmotherly like figure. I don't want to say grandmotherly because she's youthful, energetic, and I don't know. It's She has this warm personality that's just infectious, this grand smile on her face all the time with like a, a childlike fascination with the world. It's I can't find kind enough words to describe these people. She just makes me feel content. Yeah. Andy is quite a contrast compared to Sue. He's very fact-based, logical, straight to the point, but they complement each other very well. Something. Yeah, but but on the going back to the the thing of people, you know, like the bracing for eternity and the different you know sort of types of people who go sailing. If you if you talk to a racing boat, what they'll think is important is really good quality new sails with you know, that will go upwind really well because that's important for racing. Mm-hmm. So in their view, the quality of your sails and the make of your sails and the cut of your sails is crucial. You'll often see they've got a really lightweight anchor a few metres of chain and then a lot of rope to keep the weight down at the front of the boat when they're racing. It'll be stripped out. They won't have much gear on there. And and it's all about race, race, race. You go cruising, uh, actually, you want a really big heavy anchor. You yeah. want a load of chain. It doesn't really matter if your sails are that high quality. Um, you want them to be durable, but often right. you're trying to sail more downwind or if the wind's against you, you'll opt to wait another day or two and go when the wind is more favourable. Or you yeah. and you'll find leave the sails and get there yeah. slower. And and if you're gonna anchor out and about then what's also important is having a decent inflatable dinghy or hard dinghy and an outboard that's decent size. Complete antipathy of what the cruising person wants and what the racing person wants there. Right. Yeah. yeah, so so when people are giving you advice that's why I say you've got to know what are you wanting to do with sailing in a boat because it may not be the same as that person who's giving you all okay, the so critical advice. I understand your question now. Yeah. I understand what you're asking me. Um, because, yeah, there's very different styles of what you want from this. Yeah. And I think I'm more of your style. I think we're more of your style. We yeah. want to cruise. We want yeah. to be well prepared and equipped. Yeah. Um, sure, I want to make sure I do have good high quality sales at the same time they're not going to be for racing no they're going to be for wear and tear yeah um to get it somewhere obviously these people are on a totally different level than we are but it is quite fascinating having essentially what you aspire to be right in front of you like that that is the epitome what they're doing is the epitome of what we want they they are a great example and just so motivating like they're they're very knowledgeable and they let us know that you got to start somewhere it's the little things you got to work your way up from someplace from our level and we'll get there it's just going to take time and we're at the bottom we're at the very bottom uh so it's nice having someone of their experience having eyes on what we have too Andy also supervised us changing our engine oil, and he helped us avoid all the mistakes that he made in the past 
and that we could have made to start out with. We would have probably made all the mistakes. <laughs> so, Mark, <clears throat> what, what, like, what did you first think? Are you, you, are you recording? We are right now. We're recording. Dylan turns on. You rotten, stinking bastard. <laughs> That's our good friend Mark, another lively character in our neighborhood. Actually, the first person to come over and introduce himself to us, and he's taught us a lot of, a lot of things too. So when we were even further at the bottom, when we first just got our boat, we, we didn't even know how to start our engine. This is some elderly guy who comes over we just ask him hey can you help us out more than willing you just go, like sure yeah i can help you start your engine came aboard made sure our uh, raw water intake was open yeah we had no idea what what we were doing we were scared to turn the thing on <laughs> glad he was there <laughs> like what what did you what did you think of us when you first met us uh- that you were nice, honest people and looked like somebody I wanted to get to know. And while we really appreciate Mark's words, the things he says about us, that's how we feel about a lot of boaters. We're just there looking out for each other so people don't have to go through the same painful struggles. If there's something we can do to, to give them a hand, why not? It's Someone's going to help me out eventually. We're all trying to help each other out. Just like Andy and Sue. They obviously don't have a car up here, and they need a provision somehow. And so we, we took them out to the grocery store, and we picked up groceries. I was so happy to do that. We just hung out and told stories and talked more about boating. It was great. We helped them fill their propane tanks. They invited us on their boat and showed us some of Sue's artwork. Sue has some cool prints that she does, woodblock prints. She ended up giving us some as well. I don't know. We just got to have a little relationship with these people on a, on a little, little blip in their journey. We, we find out we make these really strong bonds, these quick friendships. And it's sad to think about because they're going to be gone in two days. It seems like a lot of people have these kind of experiences. It's just the boater camaraderie, I guess. We asked Mark if he had anything to talk about. Here at the harbor, there was an English couple that came and they were at the dock right there. From England. On their boat, from England. Just a while ago? Oh. All years ago. But long before you. Oh. Um, and, uh, well, three years ago, probably. So, you know, obviously, cool boat, been around. Huh? You could tell. I gotta approach this carefully, right? I don't want to be one of these guys that's like, well, really cool boat, you know, can I come aboard or, you know, where you been? And just went, hey, my name's Mark. Got a boat right down there. Did you guys really come from England? Yeah. All right. Well, so you're here for a few days or whatever. And yeah, we're here for a couple of weeks. We're trying to exchange some pounds for dollars, and we're having a few issues. And I said, well, you know, hey, 
I got a car here. Well, I was driving the vet at that point. I said I got a car, but you know, room for one. But I'll take you around and you know, if you want to go grocery shopping or something, we can do that. And uh, so I just got to know him. Kind of like your friends over here. So they're here for about 10, 12 days. And uh, so they asked me, and I just sold Jetoy, but I didn't sell. I had a, a Livingston dinghy. Jatoy is a yeah, sailboat Mark glass, previously you know, owned. Dry hull kind of a thing. And he has this dinghy left over from it that he's not using, so he ended up asking if they wanted it. Um, extremely stable. Um, and they had room on the bow, and they said, well, where is it? And I said, well, you know, it's over there on gate one. It's on the rack. You can see it right there. All right, you can see it, and he looks over and goes, yeah, I see it. And I said, yeah, all right, the oars are in there, so if you want, if you're interested, you know, I want, you know, 300 bucks for it. Wasn't doing me any good. Um, and then I looked at him, I said, all right, 200 bucks. <laughs> Lowered my price for the anyone. I said, just you go over there, same gate code, just go over there and you can row it around. And pretty soon they row it back to the dock and says, sold. I agree. Cool. So they put it on the deck, fit the boat perfectly. So I guess Mark feels obligated at this hour to uh, call his wife. And we think maybe she has a good story to tell. She usually does, and she has a good memory. Well, give her a ringy-dingy. I mean, what the hell? It won't be my fault. Volume? Okay. Hi there. Hello. It's Brandon and Dylan and Mark, by the way. Oh, hi. Yeah, I just got home, actually. Really? Cool. Yeah. What's going on down there? Oh, uh, I don't. You're on Candid uh, iPod or podcast or something. Uh, what are you yapping about? Everything from boat stuff to Captain Kangaroo. <laughs> you know what that is? We didn't know what that was. I still you didn't know, know what Captain Kangaroo is? No, there's ping pong balls. That was weird. Hey, Judy. Oh, yeah, um, who's, the, who's the most interesting person uh, that you didn't know that you've ever met at the dock? At the guest dock? Hmm. That was probably Yansusha, the guy that serenaded us with his fiddle in oh. the Sky Lounge. Oh, yeah, on the West Sail. Uh, yeah, oh. yeah, he was getting ready to go cruising, and just, uh, I don't know, the only thing he was sad about is that he was alone, but he, my sister was with us, so that must have been the weekend it snowed on the way home, <laughs> we couldn't see our way back, but anyway, he had a fiddle, and we, he came and serenaded us. 
he walked over the island. He was in Chalabay. And he walked over the island and came down the dock and said, I've drug anchor. I've already hit the beach once. And I want to, because it was really howling out of the north. Oh, yeah. And he said, I want to bring my boat around, but obviously it's, he says, it's like a 40-foot boat, and I'm by myself. Can you help me get in here? And I said, yeah, we'll be here for you. And so he, well, Lenny comes in and snags the lines, and anyway. We tend to hang out with Marco a lot. He essentially lives on his boat, and, and he has a lot of stories to tell because he's right there in the dock all the time, and he's been there for a while, so he sees everything that, that goes on. Um, and if you're there long enough, it just goes to show that you, you're going to have these kinds of experiences with people, and you don't necessarily need to travel the world to to find interesting people. Sometimes those kinds of people just come to you. I, I think the most important thing is that you got to put yourself out there. We took a chance. We put ourselves out there with Mark and we just discovered this wonderful friendship. I I can't tell you the many times that we've just had a beer at sun at sunset and just chatted and, and enjoyed ourselves and seen what's going on in each other's lives. He's, he's had an interesting life, him and his wife and his kids, and... I don't know. You you gotta take it slow with Mark, and listen to what he has to say. And if you don't, if you're not patient, then you're not gonna hear his wonderful stories. The life raft, Dylan. I forgot about it. Right, the life raft. Why do we keep on playing this obnoxious noise? It just ties into the presentation that Andy gave to the to the Coast Guard. They were interested about him and his trip, but also he had this extra life raft that he had packed in New Zealand and repacked in Malaysia and found that in New Zealand they didn't really do it up to par and the co2 tank was not screwed on correctly and and they repacked it in malaysia and they sailed across the pacific with it and then so when they got to america needless to say they just bought another one and so they have this extra one and they wanted to see if it would go off and the coast guard wanted to see if it would go off as well it's not often you get to see one of these deploy andy had a fascinating presentation Focusing on their travels, he covered a lot of topics, including lightning, gales, equipment, pirates, and even to mention a couple boats that were damaged or he knew that were lost. It was a bit long, so we'll just share the highlight. But for now, we're done yapping in your ear. I'm Dylan Smith. And I'm Brandon Garms. Thank you for listening to The Sailor's Sound. Thanks for bearing with us. We'll get better next time. It's a terrible sailing pun. We're both qualified to in the UK what's called a Royal Yachting Association Yachtmaster Ocean Standard, which means we've had to do exams for celestial navigation. We had to do a 600-mile passage at sea, navigate by sextant and get examined on it. Uh, friends of ours uh, from Denmark, husband, wife, three kids in their teens, 
tried to do the Red Sea route, and they spent seven months in Somalia, kidnapped. Uh, the Danish commandos tried to rescue them, which failed, and in the end, a ransom was paid, and they, but they were pretty messed up psychologically after that. So we, we tend to be a little bit cautious, or try to be, because bad stuff happens to people we know. Arthur Solomon's hit by lightning, and uh, lightning took the mast down. As it conducted through the boat, it hit one of the seacocks and knocked a seacock out of the boat. Um, Toby was unconscious. When the mast came down, he got knocked out. His wife, Sam, uh, from what we, we've read in the, in the communications, uh, had to sort him out, he was injured, and then realises the boat's sinking and it was sinking too fast to do anything, so she had to get the life raft pulled, get him into the life raft, pull the eeper, the dog drowned, they lost the dog, and uh, they were rescued by um, a ferry, a local ferry that was running. Um, but that's the stuff that happens. So just to give you a flavour. <laughs> How many situations have you found yourself in where lightning is like a real concern? Like a nail biting, like the, the the hurricane forming going up to uh, um, Bermuda, we were getting like lightning strikes all around, and we had five water spouts simultaneously at one time, and we were we were feeling worried. Um, <laughs> Just a tad. Yeah, and the other time I think was probably Panama. Yeah. A lightning bolt hit about four hundred yards from us, between us and another boat. And you can actually see it. it's really fat and wide, and water splashes and steam comes off. I've got it on film. And, and at that same time, a lightning bolt hit over there on the island, and a tree's alight, a lightning bolt hit, and a hut's alight over there. And it, this is just whacking everywhere around you. I mean, there was another boat came in in Australia. He was just coming into harbour. We heard this massive bang, big flash, instantaneous flash and bang, just right by the harbour and that actually knocked his um, log impeller out, out the bottom of the boat, and he was sinking. Um, yeah, very lucky was, it was just outside the harbour. Yeah, he, was, he had 400, 400 <laughs> yards to go to get alongside. It was really just to illustrate, these are the sorts of things that do happen. And, and these aren't just things we've read about, these are people we know. Sometimes you can find somebody that you can trust and you can go by what other people have said and how, they've, how they're satisfied. But on the whole, we tend to do everything ourselves. I mean, the one, the one a joke one would give is there's some friends on a boat, um, Invictus Reward, a Brit boat in Malaysia. He got his top end of his engine overhauled. And uh, so everything was stripped down, the valves rebuilt, he had a whole load of problems, new head gasket. And, when the mechanic who'd done all this was uh, about to start the engine, he got down, devout prayers to Allah, etc., to all would be well. He hadn't put the timing belt on right, the engine was wrecked as soon as he started it. Um, that's one extreme. We met the West uh, Papuan Liberation Army. We anchored off a place, and so suddenly get the guy next to me. It's the Commandant showed me his combat knives and his badge of office he wants to hold up. And he brought his girlfriend along and they're all chewing battle red battle juice. And then the, the guy with the AK-47 comes on board and 
It's really funny actually. Sue came up the companionway with a camera and this guy <coughs> come on board. And as she's coming up, he's got his gun pointing at Sue. And she grabs up the barrel and just pushes it away and goes, Hatty Hatty, which means be careful in Indonesia. <laughs> and this guy, like a little schoolboy, went, Oh, alright. <laughs> she pushed his gun out Oh yeah, it sounds like a school bar. So yeah. <laughs> it was said with my best grandmotherly voice. <laughs> they tend to respect people of uh, older age, so yeah, it's more, one of those cultural things. Yeah. You rotten, stinking bastard. <laughs>